Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. This is a time uh, where David, King David, uh, instructed his leaders to go out and count the people. He said, I want to find out how many, how many soldiers I have at my disposal. And it was, it was a pride thing. It was just strictly pride. He wanted to just kind of find out how great he was as a king, I guess. And, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. And not every one of his leaders agreed with him. They, didn't, they, they understood that it probably wasn't something God wanted. Uh, I just, uh, let me just, but Joab, Joab was the leader of, of his army. And, uh, and Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, uh, said, uh, uh, he said, now the Lord may, now the Lord your God, may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are while the eyes of my Lord the King still see. But why does my Lord the King delight in this thing? It's like, you know, what are you, what are you doing? I don't, I don't think we should be doing this because he sensed it, was no, it wasn't right. It was done for the wrong reason. Anyway, he commands them and they, they number the people. And because of that, God brings a plague on the, on the, the people of Israel. And, uh, and so David the prophet comes and the prophet instructs David to go to a, a, to a man called Aruna the Jebusite and to buy his threshing floor and to offer a sacrifice there to the Lord. So I just want to skip down to, a, oh, let's start in verse 18. So Gad, this is the prophet, Gad came to David that day and said to him, go Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. And Aruna looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over towards him. And Aruna went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be held back from the people. And Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take, take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. Everything, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said, may the Lord your God accept you. So here's this guy. He, he means well. The king is coming to him. He said, I need to offer a sacrifice here. And the, and the, the Aruna says, okay, here. Here's the oxen. Here's the wood. Here's everything. Just go ahead and, and do it. But what is, what is look, look what David says. And this is the key. However, the king said to Aruna, no. But I will surely buy it from you for a price. Listen, for I will not offer burnt offerings to God, to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. I won't offer to God an offering that costs me nothing. Because if it costs me nothing, it's not much of a sacrifice. 
you know, the word, the word sacrifice itself implies that it costs you something. You know, it's, a, it's, it's the, loss of, the loss of something for the sake of someone or something else. You know, like, like the sacrifice of parents. So this, you know, especially if you have a, 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 a special needs child or something, there's a tremendous sacrifice, a giving up of something. It costs you something. And, uh, and so he's, he's really was, his message was that we need to, we need to give something to God that, that costs us. And another scripture that he mentioned, let me just give you one more or two more. In Mark chapter, in Mark chapter 12, in verse 41, we know the story, but he says, and he sat down, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all that she had to live on. So here's this poor widow who put in two small copper coins, and Jesus said, she put in more than all the rest, because it's not how much you put in, because what they put in was out of their surplus. It didn't cost them anything, it was left over. You know, to me, it's like, uh, it's like what you put, it's like what you put at a garage sale. You put all the things out there that you don't want anymore. I mean, to you, they might be someone else's treasure, but to you, they're junk. And so you just get rid of them. You know, it's no big deal. But God says when we, when we offer something to God, we need to offer what's good, what's right. And one of the scripture that turns me to Malachi chapter, Malachi chapter 1, just real quick, and then we'll get into the, the word this morning. In Malachi chapter 1, listen, in verse 6 it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. This is God speaking. Then if I am a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? So God is saying, you, you despise me. And they're saying, how? You know, they, they don't understand. They don't get it. You're presenting defiled food on my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you? And you say, in that the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present a blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you or would he receive you kindly? But now, will you not re entreat the Lord's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any, any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there was among you one who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. God says to the people, he said, you're just giving me, what you, you're giving me something you wouldn't give to the governor. You wouldn't give to somebody special, but you're giving it to me. And God does, so God, you know, part of our walk with God is that it does cost us. It costs us some of our time. It costs some of our effort. You know, sometimes 
if somebody has a very, very busy schedule, it might, it might be a, a difficult thing for them to just give the Lord a half an hour of time in the morning or sometime during the day to pray, just to separate themselves for a short period of time because they're so busy. Whereas as somebody else has all the time in the world and can't give God hardly any time. So just get the, get the CD, listen to it. But I just thought it was so, it's such an important thing to understand that it does take a sacrifice to please God. And we need to give to God something that costs us. And I feel sometimes that's why fasting and prayer works. Because fasting costs you. It costs you pleasure. It costs you the comfort, the satisfaction of eating. And you're sacrificing. You're, you're, you're giving up something for God. And I feel like that's an aspect of why prayer and fasting works. So, and, uh, and I just want to... Uh, Give that to you this morning is kind of like food for thought. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just offer ourselves to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. Use us, God, as we give ourselves to you, as we put some things aside to spend time with you, to worship you, to communicate with you, to fellowship with you, to draw close to you. Use us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to share with you for just, a, again, for a little while, on being a doer of the word this morning. When my wife and I first came to Rome in 1976. I was still in the Air Force, I was still working, but she began listening to Christian radio. They, they had these, WJIV was around here, WBIV was Buffalo, WRIV, all, they, all these, they were the, the stations were owned at that time by CBN, Pat Robertson. And uh, so she began to listen to these guys that, that we had never heard of in our lives. You know, we, she grew up a Lutheran in New England. I grew up Roman Catholic in New England. What do we know about evangelicals or Pentecostals especially? What, what did we, not, we knew nothing. And uh, so she'd tell me, you know, I'm listening to this guy. Uh, he's really good. His, his name is Copeland. Something, his name is Kenneth Copeland. And he preaches for 15 minutes. You know, he's just got a 15-minute radio show, but he's really good. I thought, what can he say in 15 minutes? You know? And then I started listening to him, and I thought, he is pretty good. And she was listening to Jimmy Swaggett. Jimmy Swaggett get on there, and he'd be singing away and preaching. And uh, it, was, uh, it was really good. She, she really was blessed. Anyway, but God kind of led us supernaturally into what we call the word of faith. <clears throat> we just, uh, we had um, a prayer meeting going on at our house. And I remember one time, uh, my, I think my wife said, you know, I was listening to Copeland. And uh, Copeland said he's going to be at this, this camp meeting for uh, some guy named Hagen. I think his name was Hagen. And... Uh, He's going to be there, and some others that we'd never heard of are going to be there, John Osteen and Charles Capps, and, you know, it's like, who are these guys? But you know what? We, was, we were sitting around, I think we were sitting around the floor just holding hands and praying, and uh, um, us and, and Vince and Charlotte Lewis and, and uh, Dale and Edwina Grant and a couple others. Not that, not that that means anything to you, but somebody might be watching anyway. So uh, if you're watching, God bless you. And... Uh, 
So we, all of a sudden we said, you know, we ought to go to this camp meeting. And so we said, okay, let's. So we just, on a, on a total whim, we just decided to go to this camp. So we went to Kenneth Hagin's camp meeting. Oh my God, I thought I was in heaven. I mean, we heard preaching like we couldn't believe. John Osteen was there, and Kenneth Copeland was there, Kenneth Hagen was there. I mean, it was, it was, I didn't want to go home. It's like, can this just go on and on and on forever? But we just got into this word of faith, and, and, and we became kind of real word of faith, these people. But one of the things that, that really blessed me in the word of faith, and one of the things that's always helped me over the years is that is to believe that the word works, you know. The word of faith, I, not that I agree with every single thing the word of faith preaches, but one thing I do believe that they taught us is that the importance of the word of God, to believe the word, to confess the word, to stand the word, and the word will work if we'll work the word. So that's what I want to share with you a little bit tonight. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's a settled thing. God's word doesn't change. It'll never change. Whatever he says is true, and it'll always be true in Jesus' name. There's some of my favorite scriptures. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 55. I don't know if I can quote it, but I'll, I'll go there. And it says, this, listen, this is what it says in Isaiah 55. It says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, which goes forth out of my mouth. So God says, as sure as we know, as sure as you and I understand that when it rains and it snows, it waters the earth. And if there's crops in the ground, it makes them bare and sprout. And, it's, and those crops provide seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, so sure as we know that, so certainly as we know that, God says, so shall my word be which goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God said, my word will produce. It will do exactly what I said it will do. But we have to understand if we believe it, if we stand on it, if we confess it, if we put it in our hearts and, and stand on the word of God, it'll perform exactly what God said it would. God said to, through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.12, he said, I watch over my word to perform it. God is watching over his word to perform it in the lives of those who will believe it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But there's a, a condition to that. And I want to turn just for a, few, a little while to the book of James. Hallelujah. James chapter 1. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, James says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, or in meekness, the King James says, in humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your soul. So James is saying you need to, you need to receive the word. But then he says this, he says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not hearers only who delude themselves. So, and then he goes on to give us an example of what it's like for someone who hears the word but doesn't do anything about it. James is real good at this. He's always giving us examples. And now he's going to give us an example of what he just said. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, 
he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So he said, if you hear the word of God and you don't do the word, you're like someone who looks in a mirror and he sees something's wrong. He's got a smudge on his face or he's got a, you know, uh, something on his, on his tooth or his hair's out of shape or whatever. And he just kind of walks away and does nothing about it. Well, that's what it's like if we hear the word and we don't do it. But he says we're deluded. You know, and that, and the word, and it means to reason, for, it means to believe something that's not true. You're deluded if you believe, if you hear the word and not do it. It's, you're deluded. It's believing something that's not true. And I was thinking, how many people uh, hear a message and, and say something to the effect, oh, that was a good message, Pastor. That was a good message. But they don't do anything with it. You know, they just kind of let it go. They it, it never apply it to our lives. You know, a lot of times we feel we're okay because we've heard the word, but it hasn't really changed us. James says, if that's the case, then it's false reasoning. It's, it's not true. Hearing, hearing the word only benefits me, and I'll talk to me today because I need to hear this as much as anybody. But hearing the word only benefits me if it produces in me some kind of a transformation in my life. If it doesn't produce anything, uh, then it, it's... it's has no benefit at all. And James goes on to say in verse 24, in, um, I mean, in verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. In other words, if, you, if you'll be a doer of the word, what does he say? He said, this man will be blessed in what he does. So if we hear the word of God, but we don't do it, no blessing. But if we hear the word of God and we allow that word to be applied to our lives, we begin to do that word. The word begins to work in us and the blessing that's in that word starts to produce in us. You know, it, it's, it's like having a seed sitting on a shelf. There's potential in that seed. There's life in that seed. But it will lay there dormant for years and years. It'll never produce anything unless it's planted and cultivated. And in order to benefit from the life that's in it, we have to put it in the earth and we have to plant it. But we can benefit from the life of the word if we'll put it in and believe it and stand on it. Hallelujah. And it's really the same for any topic. You know, uh, when we hear a word concerning prayer, you know, we think, well, that was, that was a good message. Yeah, that was a good message on prayer, Pastor. But if it doesn't change my prayer life, if it doesn't affect my prayer life at all, what good has it done? It hasn't done me any good. And one of the things that over the years that I've always tried to, and I haven't done it perfectly, God knows, but I try to I'll let the word be, uh, rule my life, to direct me in the ways of God. Because I want to be a doer of the word. I don't want to be someone who just hears it and goes my way, you know. It's important for me to be that way. And it's the same for any topic, whether it's forgiveness or, or tithing or, or walking in holiness. So any, any topic, any message we hear, if we don't apply that to our lives, it's like useless seed. You know, what did, what did, God, what did God say to Joshua? In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. He says, Joshua, you need to meditate. You need to consider the word. You need to ponder it. You need to think about it. You need to speak it. You need to do and so, so that you can become a doer of the word. So that, that word is in you and directing your life. 
because only then, and only then will you have success in life. Hallelujah. Towards me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4 it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And so talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. And you shall write them on your doorposts and all the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, keep that word before you. Put it on the refrigerator. Get a plaque and hang it up on the wall. You know, speak about it. Listen to it. Read it. Put it in. Put it in. Put it in. Put it in. You know, don't, don't, not that you can't do anything else, but it's so important to have that word as central focus of our life. And, it's, and God repeats himself. You know, if you ever read the book of Deuteronomy, uh, there's, there's things in there that God, God I, I notice that God repeats himself four or five times in some ways. But look, he says very much the same thing uh, just a few chapters later in chapter 11. Beginning in verse 18. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. God, didn't you already tell me to do this? Yeah, and I'm telling you again, because you didn't, maybe you didn't get it the first time, but I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, so that you'll get it. It's like, this must be important. God's repeating himself. And you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates, so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens remain above the earth. For if you are careful, if you are careful to keep all his commandments, which I'm commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast. The Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess the nations greater than you. And every place on which the sole of your feet shall tread will be yours. So God, God gives all these blessings, all these promises to those who will put the word first place in their life and do them and read them and stand on them and believe them and confess them. You know, there's a, there's a scripture uh, that's kind of scary in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. And it says, let us fear then. Well, I better go there and read it. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, therefore, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard. So you can hear the word, but if you don't believe it, if you don't mix it with faith, which is believing, if you don't mix it and you don't stand on it, you don't declare it, you don't say that it's mine, and just hold on to it for all you're worth, the word won't produce in us. But the word will produce. You know, God is no respecter of persons, church. The word will do in you what it does in any anybody, in me, in any preacher, any pastor and any prophet and the greatest man of a woman of God the word of God works 
if we'll work the word. Hallelujah. We can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. We have to apply it to every area of our life, including, and I, I, don't, know why, I don't know why I felt like including this today, but including prayer and fasting. You know, I was listening to a, listening to a video where Marilyn Hickey was on uh, Sid Roth's program 15, 15 years ago. Because on that program, she said, I'm 74 years old. I'm still going all around the world. And then I looked, I looked up her biography. And right now, Marilyn Hickey is 89 years old. She's 89 years old. So this was 15 years ago when she was 74. She was just a, just a young woman. Then. And, uh, and she talked about, they were talking about prayer and fasting. So I was watching because it's, it's kind of what I'm into right now. I, I, I believe that you can win some things in prayer and fasting that you can never win otherwise. And I'm, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm with it, boy. I'm, I'm going to win some battles. Hallelujah. We're going to win some victories in Jesus' name. But she was talking about, she said, and this might help someone. She said, you know, I'm not good at fasting. I, if I try to fast two or three days, I'm so weak, I just totally cannot function. So what I've done, and she's after prayer, after much prayer, she said God showed her to fast just a certain amount each day. She said, I fast seven meals a week. I need extra fingers. I fast seven meals a week. And Sid Roth said, I'm in the same way. I fast five meals a week. And I thought, you, that's, that's not so bad. You, a meal here, a meal there, you could fast four or five meals a week. She, I think Marilyn said she felt she fasts two meals one day and one meal the next and two meals one day and one meal. So it's not like she's totally fasting and yet she is, she's living a fasted lifestyle. And she talked about her mother, Marilyn's mother. Oh, by the way, Marilyn Hickey's maiden name was Marilyn Hickey. So Marilyn Hickey married Marilyn Hickey. Will you, Marilyn Hickey, take Wallace Hickey to be your husband? Yes, you know, anyway. I don't know whether they were third cousins or something, I don't know what, but there was both. They're both named Hickey when they got married. Uh, she talked about her mother. She said, my father, my father had a mental disorder, and he was in a mental institution. My mother fasted and prayed for him for, for a few years, and God totally delivered him, totally delivered him. And he got out of the mental institution. He came back home, and he, and he got saved, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he became a man of God. And, and they were sharing testimonies of how how victories that they've won through prayer and, prayer and fasting. So I just want to throw it out there again, because you know what happened to the last message of prayer and fasting? They said that was a good message, Pastor, but then they walked out of church. And, it, and it, I don't think it applied to too many lives. Uh, just my guess, but uh, I think it's probably a good one. Hallelujah. So I just love you today. I really do. I want to encourage you. Pick up your Bibles. Make room for the make time for the Word. Make room for the Word. Confess it. Find out the find out scriptures that fit whatever situation that you're in right now. If you need healing, get some healing scriptures and write them down and start just start speaking them over your life. You know, Dodie Osteen, John Osteen's wife, Joel Osteen's mother was healed of stage four liver cancer. She was in the hospital dying. She had a son that was in medical school, and when he came in and saw her chart, he just broke down and started crying. He said, she's dead. I mean, she wasn't dead, but her, as far as he was concerned medically, she was dead. She was, there's no way. And God, God raised her up. It was a real battle, but God raised her up. So she wrote a book, Healed of Cancer. And she said, I do, the first thing I do every day is I, 
I confess the healing scriptures over my life, thanking God for healing me of this terminal disease, thanking God for keeping me alive. But I confess those every single day. I keep putting them in, 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 so that they will produce in me what the word says, 30, 60, and 100 fold in my life because I'm planting them, I'm cultivating them, and I'm standing on them in Jesus' name. So I just want to encourage you, be, be, be a person of the word. I know I grew up in a church where no one encouraged me to read my Bible. Yeah. And for a lot of us, that may be the case. But pick up your Bible, read it, put it in, and the word will produce in you and give life to your mortal flesh. That's what the word does, what it says. In Proverbs chapter 4, that scripture, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that there's life in the word, Lord, and that you are a life-giving spirit. I thank you that you do watch over your word to perform it in the lives of those who believe it, who will stand on it, who will confess it, who will boldly declare it in their lives. Lord, it will produce exactly what you said it would. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this word that you've given us. The word is truth, the word is life, and the word is the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.